Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. We are here with our fantastic producer, Nathan Yoder. And um, I got to come up with a great adjective. We'll just go with the fantastic Amanda D'Angelo. Oh, you're so good with the adjectives. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, you know, maybe it's the adjective of the day. We'll see. Okay, great, you know. great. Anyways, today we are asking the question, why am I still single? We're part of the Lumavaz uh, podcast network, but we're also uh, part of Browncroft Community Church. We exist to ask the questions you don't feel comfortable in church. And I'm pretty sure that for many of us, this question, why am I still single, comes up. We are with author, InterVarsity ministry leader, uh, Bridget Gee. We can't wait to talk with her. She has a new book that's out, Single, just because. Amanda, before we throw it to Bridget, what thoughts do you have? When you asked me if I wanted to co-host with this one, I said, absolutely yes. Like, I need to be on this one. I was single for 32 years, so I have a huge heart for people who are single and really thriving in the single um, season. So I cannot wait to hear from Bridget to hear what she has to say about this. Well, hey, let's let's just throw to your Bridget, why don't you, uh, before we jump into some of the deep uh, questions from the Bible and singleness and all over the place, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, um, like you said, my name is Bridget G and I'm from Arizona. I get to do uh, work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and I lead pilgrimage programs in Europe for study abroad students. So I like have to go to work in Spain and Italy and Ireland. It's a really rough deal for me. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> um, and I've yeah, so hard. And I've been um, that this is my eleventh year on staff with InterVarsity. And I've been in this conversation around singleness um, since probably I would say early 2017 is when I started to decide to put some energy toward it and start these conversations at work. But then also by the end of 17, um, I started my podcast, Solidarity, the singleness podcast. Mm. Wow, that's great. What even though you've had the conversations and have experienced yourself, like what has singleness been like for you? And if you don't mind me asking your age too, because I think that people can relate to that as well. Yeah, I'm 33 years old and I've been single most of my life. Um, I have had one long-term relationship in my early 20s, but most of the rest of these last, you know, uh, like 11, 12 years, I've been single. And it's kind of why I titled my book Single Just Because, um, because it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> but, mm. you know, here we are. And yeah, it's it's been, you know, like a roller coaster ride in some ways. Um, I think that there's a mixture of like me loving and totally embracing my singleness. I actually don't call it a season um, mm. because I don't think it's guaranteed that it's just a season of my life. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of people who are trying to discern whether or not this is a season or if it's like forever. And so I just honor that in, in their stories so that they can think about, yeah, what does life look like if I'm not going to have a partner? And so I have to hold that tension and ask that question and continue to like evaluate what's going on in my life with God, um, kind of unmoored to 
a family dynamic or a partnership dynamic. And yeah, there's not a lot of people I know who've made it this far single. And so um, I, and sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm in uncharted territories, but the more I get into this like community, that's kind of, you know, beyond me and who I know um, there's, there's more of us out there than I think. And mm -hmm. we're all just trying to figure it out together. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, so as I've like done some research on you and even in our pre-conversation, one of the things, the questions that you ask that I just think is so powerful, I, I want to read it because I want to make sure I get it right, which is who will I be when I don't get what I want hmm. or when I want it? Um, help our listeners kind of frame, because I think that's a great question to frame the Christian approach to singleness and the followers of Jesus, but also it, it's just a great life question that I think you could really help our listeners wrestle with. Yeah. So I hold the tension of deeply desiring to be married and that desire hasn't really gone away as much as I've begged God for it to go away um, with the tension that like marriage isn't all there is to life. Mm -hmm. And so the longer I go without being in a marriage and without being married, I continue to honor this desire in me, but also explore what does it look like for me to honor in healthy ways. And, um, so, you know, I, I'm just a really romantic person. I think that's a part of it and exploring what does that mean about me, God, that you made me romantic, that you made me have these desires mm -hmm. and how do I live them out in a way that honors you honors who you made me to be? Um, even though it's not in the conventional sense that I wish it was, mm -hmm. you know, within a relationship, within marriage. And the, the ways that I figured out how to do that, which I guess is not necessarily an answer to this question, but I just think that like the wide variety of things that we can do in life to feel like f be fulfilled, to have deep relationships, to uh, live into our purpose and explore kind of the whole gamut of options, you know, there are out there for us. Um, I, I think I've just learned more of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I think the things I've learned don't apply just to single people. I think that I've had that space and energy and time to answer that question of how do I live this life in the, in the case that like, I never get what I want. Um, and luckily I actually already have all that I need and mm. like my deepest heart's desire, which is being in relationship with Jesus, you know? Um, and some days that doesn't feel like enough, you know, because I'm human. <laughs> and then other days it's, it feels like great, you know, and I'm so, so grateful that I've been found by God. Um, mm -hmm. Because honestly, I totally understand why people chase the things they desire most with intensity and fervor and passion because I think they believe they that those things will fulfill them. So for me, filling in that blank is was marriage, right? Like in sometimes it has been an idol for me, mm -hmm. um, even if that hasn't looked like weird or unhealthy dating patterns. Is just still even enough, even in my thought life enough, and the or the ways like I get hurt and insecure maybe when I'm rejected, either by friends or you know potential romantic partners. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, and it's just been really beautiful to have God right there along the journey with me, figuring out how to deal in the, um, yeah, those hard moments. And honestly, just it's all the better, you know, like if my singleness does end up being a season and I do end up getting married someday, the character development, the ways that I've dealt with, you know, not having a thing I wanted will totally contribute to healthy relationships in the future. But because I'm a human, I kind of think like, oh, if I do get married someday, that fill in the blank might turn into something else. You know, it might mm. uncover a deeper and, and newer thing. Yes. That's like, oh, now what do I want most now? Right. <laughs> so we continue this cycle. <laughs> yeah. You said about 25 things that I could talk for an hour about each one. So I appreciate everything you're sharing. Sure. Yes. Um, I love that you said that you don't call it a season because it isn't promised. That um, was actually something that I wrestled with when I was single for so long. And I was like you. I didn't have – I had guy friends who were like, we if we took one more step, we would be officially dating. But I never really had any true mm -hmm. boyfriends until I met my now husband, Nick, and we just got married this past May. So um, what would you say is the hardest part about being single and how do you walk through that? You know, it's probably different for everybody, but for me, it's um, it's being like responsible for every aspect of my life alone, you know, mm -hmm. like. Um, I've done ministry for a decade, more than a decade. And it's like, I come home after a hard day or maybe something, yeah, something intense happens. And there's not necessarily always even a roommate there to like, be there with me, let me cry, talk through it and pray, you know. Um, and sometimes there is, and I've been really lucky. Some of my best friends have been like made out of my roommates, you know? Um, and like some of our friendship has developed into things like that, but yeah, that partnership that I think the best of marriage can be, um, that is what I feel like I'm lacking and still trying to figure out how to get it in community and get it in my, um, mm -hmm. friendships, you know, in my Christian community, because, you really can get that from other places. It's just harder to find, you know? And, and then like on a lighter note, like I have to feed myself three meals a day <laughs> and I have to do all my own chores. There's no other extra person helping me with that. Can you imagine? So yes, yes. <laughs> that's a little bit of like on my tired days. I'm just like, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know, I, I think what intimidates me the most about this topic um, is when I was single, and maybe this is just me personally, I felt like any married person talking about singleness just dismissed it. Mm. And so even like now, mm -hmm. like I really appreciate you telling me, hey, seasons is probably not a helpful word. And, and so I, I guess before we jump like super deep, you know, when you're talking with married people, um, or even people that are dating, um, how do you, how would you want them to kind of engage? What are some practices, maybe some things not to say, because 
that's kind of what makes or breaks these communities is, you know, can I just be me with that? Like, can I have best friends that are mm -hmm. married without feeling like, holy cow, I've got to get married now too. Like, I, I just want to be Bridget. You know, I just want to be yeah. Peter. I just want to be Amanda. What would you say to our married friends that are listening to this mm -hmm. podcast about singleness? Well, you know, it's interesting for you to ask that right now because a couple weeks ago there was this Twitter feud that happened, at least in like the Twitter that I've seen, you know, where a single person did mention um, that she was almost treated like a threat if she was alone in a room with another man, you know, at her church. Mm -hmm. And I know that some denominations like do treat things that way where they would never have a married man alone in a room with a, a woman, a single woman. Um, but even more than that, it, it was sort of this idea of like that the threat in the room is, is the woman, you know, the single person. Um, and, and this actually seems to apply mostly in that scenario specifically where it's a married man and a single woman. Um, but anyway, the, the conversation that started you know, went from there was this exact question, like, can you be friends with married people as a single person um, in, in our Christian family? And I mean, for me, the answer is yes. I right now, my roommates are a married couple. I live in their house. Mm -hmm. And um, naturally, I'm like a little bit closer with the wife, but not by much. Like, they're both incredibly loving people. We have amazing conversations. Um, we'll have roommate dinner sometimes. And um, yeah, like even they've let me sit in or, or like they've had hard and deep conversations in front of me, not even conflicts, but like chose to, to talk about deep things in my presence that they could own if they wanted to, they could keep that a private conversation um, about their lives and their future. And they honor me by doing that, that I can see it, but also, um, that they're trusting me and believe that like, it's safe for them to, to have those exact same kind of conversations with me in the room. Um, mm -hmm. so I feel spoiled to be honest <laughs> with married people in my life because a lot of people here in my community in Tucson who are married are just really good at loving me, I, they probably are good at loving a lot of other single people, but I think that a part of it is to not project some of our weird ideas onto single people, like the one that, you know, this, this tweet was originally alluding to. Um, I've had, like, I've told some of my guy friends who are married before, like when I think they look handsome that day. And, you know, handsome is like such a grandma word to use, you know, um, but like I've had like a, a married girlfriend make some comment to me like, oh, he's married or something, not even like his own wife, but and then putting me in a position where like I'm supposed to feel embarrassed for giving a compliment to my brother in Christ, you know, like who I feel nothing toward um, and and it's stuff like that that's really unbecoming in Christian community between single people and married people. Mm. Um, I think, honestly, if you're talking to your single friend and you're married, 
and you don't, you have not experienced singleness for a while, um, or singleness through a similar context, it's okay for you to say, wow, I don't know what it's like to go through what you're going through, but it sounds hard instead of, you know, saying cliche and sweet things or, you know, trying to tell them, well, you'll find someone someday, you know, one of the jokes I make too in my book, it's not, it's a lot of jokes I make are half joke, half truth. Um, but like people will say to me, I can't believe you're not married. I can't believe you haven't been snatched up yet. I can't believe you haven't been chosen yet or whatever. And I'm like, what you're really saying to me is Bridget, you're so lovable. That's what you're telling me right now. And that's all you need to say. And I don't need you to tell me, I can't believe you're lacking this thing that will prove that you're lovable because that just, I mean, they're telling on themselves about what they believe about how we validate our worth and value. Um, and so those, those are just some of the things I've experienced. So I've experienced both the awkward and cringy and then both the deep beauty of close relationship with couples. Um, and it's, it's possible. That's just, I guess, what I would say as an encouragement. Bridget, I, I really appreciated the holistic way that you talked about that. Um, this is probably why you, you wrote a book, because you brought up some of the complicated things that I don't think we're engaging well from, um, we'll say, the Billy Graham rule, which there's a lot of conversation about, about uh, yeah, you know, people being friends. Yeah, there you go. Friends. That's what it's called. Yeah. So the Billy Graham rule, you know, and I, I guess I brought that question up, and maybe this is my Enneagram 2 sensitivity. I just don't want to come across as dismissive mm. um, because I mm. think that what you said at the end about um, how people come to you and say, hey, like, I can't believe you're not married yet. Like you went to the deeper thing, which is actually the most important thing, no matter if you're married or not, you are lovable. And so what I, what I love of mm -hmm. what you're challenging us as followers of Jesus, and even those that are listening to our podcast that are de-churched, even unchurched that are listening to it, is you're trying to kind of say, hey, like we're created for community and it's easy to find what doesn't bring us together, but it's powerful to find what does bring us together. Yeah. That's a great word. <laughs> well, so let me, let me just kind of throw this to you. Um, one of the Bible passages that talk about singleness is first Corinthians seven, you know, the apostle Paul writes it and talks about how, um, people can choose, uh, to be single, but they can choose to get married. It's, it's mildly revolutionary, probably to some people that have been in church, they probably wouldn't know it's in their Bible. Um, I don't know. How do you kind of engage and respond in that and give our listeners a little preview? Cause you talk about it in single just because I do. Yes. Well, every singleness sermon I've sat in on, that's usually given by a man who's been married since he was about 22, um, includes 1 Corinthians 7. And a lot of times what he has to say is that, oh, you should be so lucky you're single because that means you have lots of time to give to the kingdom of God. Whereas us married people and uh, parents we don't. Our attention is divided. And first of all, it sounds like an excuse to me. <laughs> but second of all, I don't know one married or parent person who is not also like 
doing so much for the kingdom with their time and energy. They don't, I don't look at them and think, oh, you're so lazy for <laughs> being married and having kids um, and not giving your, you know, energy to the kingdom. But, you know, kind of like conversely, what I am hearing in the same time is like, uh, single people, you need to give more because you have all this extra time that we don't have anymore. Mm. Um, and, and that's just like, I don't think what single people need to hear. And I don't think it's not what Paul was really saying. He wasn't saying you need to make sure that you're budgeting all your time. Right. Um, even just for a context of this passage is that like being a Christian was costly in a way it's not costly in our context. And so time was short for a lot of them, right? They could be arrested and murdered mm -hmm. in certain places for preaching the gospel. And so in some ways he's like telling this very practical thing. He's like, you know, if you're not burning with desire, just stay single because we do want to tell the world about Jesus, which is the most important thing that people would know Jesus and the story of what God did. Um, and so then if, if you do happen <laughs> to get arrested and murdered, you're not leaving a ton of people behind, you know, um, you're not divide. You can't really give all your whole life and not, you know, lose all this other stuff too. Um, so I think that's a little bit he of what he's talking about. You know, a I think all of us single people are a little annoyed at Paul because we're like, okay, you're the like, you know, king of the singles because he stayed single and, <laughs> you know, traveled all around and he did the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, he also like went in there Philippians four and was like, I've learned to be content in all things. And that is another verse that gets used for single people. It's like, Oh, once you're fully content, then God will give you the thing you want the most, which I don't know where that verse is in the Bible either. Yeah, That's garbage. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. So, so Paul's, yeah, like maybe I sound a little irreverent, but I tend, you know, that's something I'm known for. Paul annoys single people, I would say. <laughs> and at the same time, I love him. Mm -hmm. You know, I love him. Um, and like, he's not wrong that, you know, there's so many days of my singleness. I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with the hard parts of an intense partnership that's there constantly, you know, mm -hmm. and I was on a date recently and I was kind of joking with this guy that like uh, half of the time I'm like, I'm eating chips in bed, watching Netflix. And I'm like, no one's bothered by this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's kind of nice. <laughs> um, that's not, I don't do that half the time. I'm just saying half the time. I'm happy that I have the option. <laughs> right. Yes. We all get it. So. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I love that you went a little deeper with first Corinthians seven than I think most people do. Um, because the reality is like, I think most people who are single, they want to be married. And for me, it was really hard not knowing when or if, because it's not promised to us. There's many promises mm -hmm. that God makes to us, but it's marriage is not one of them. So what would you say, like our world is changing. Like I, even in the position I have in church, this church that we're in now is that there's so many singles, whether they're in their twenties and thirties, or there might be like divorce or widow. There's like 
singles across the board. Um, In some ways, it's like more complicated to be single in the world today. And like, what hope do you feel like Christianity offers if whether someone's a Christian or not? What what does that offer to them? Yeah, well, I really do think a life with Jesus is the best life. And I take seriously and I would implore my brothers and sisters in the faith to take seriously the parables of the treasure in a field or the pearl of great price, you know, those um, verses that are telling us the kingdom of God is worth everything that if you stumble upon it, if you get to be in it, a part of it holds it, you have ever, you have the best thing already. You have everything already. And I think that so much of our spiritual walks is in pursuit of that, like in faith of that belief or living out what it means to buy the whole field, you know? And I think that we uh, rob ourselves so often thinking like, surely the kingdom of God couldn't be so valuable and beautiful um, that I, that I would give up everything for it, you know? And so if I'm imagining a future for myself that includes a husband, which I still do, Mm -hmm. um, but say that future never comes, does that mean that I will have lived a life lacking something? And I think that the life with Jesus means, no, I haven't. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I already have someone who was willing to give their life for me, Mm -hmm. for the love of me and trade death for, for new life and resurrection life, um, for eternity, like over and over. Oh, and that's all we all really want. You know, like you're still going to be hungry and thirsty for resurrection life in marriage. I mean, you guys can attest to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely can. (laughs) Well, so let me let me ask you this because I've heard this said, and um, I, I actually like a little irreverence, so that's what makes you great for this podcast. But um, you know, <laughs> I I hear Christians talk about like the age of marriage, and that because in society we used to get married like at twenty one, twenty two. Some of our grandparents even got married at like eighteen, yeah. and so there's some people that just make this comment like. You know, if people got married sooner, we'd have less problems. And I I do a lot of premarital. And so one of the things I notice is there is this high desire of, can I get to my place, you know, professionally? Or I, I actually want to live on my own and kind of develop who I am. So I guess I'm just kind of curious how you kind of wrestle with some of those ideas and tensions. Because again, it it's not like, Singleness is not something like, man, I can just wake up and get married tomorrow. Um, and sometimes I feel like that's the way it's talked about. How do you, how are you helping people navigate mm-hmm. that age and just even some of those thoughts that maybe have come to you too? Yeah, well, um, yeah, the age of first marriage has risen by years since I've been an adult. Um, it, back when I was in college, it was in the early 20s for both men and women. And now that I'm older, a decade later, you know, a decade and some change later, it's like in the late 20s, it's creeping into the 30s. And um, Mm -hmm. which is wild, like, like, people would be shocked at that probably from, you know, 50 years ago. Um, And the reason is because of um, women's independence and 
the ability for women to live on their own and, you know, pay for things on their own, um, women's education. Um, a lot of this I get from the book, All the Single Ladies. It's a book by an author called, or her name is Rebecca Traster. Um, and I quote her in my book, but like just briefly, um, and it's really fascinating that the, the thriving experience of women also means less marriage. So it's funny to hear if people get married, things would be better, but it sounds like things are better for women. And so they're not getting married, um, as, mm-hmm. as soon. Mm-hmm. And so that's one side of it. And then the other side is like for me, and I'm sure other women in other careers, you know, um, have similar experiences of like, it is hard to be taken seriously as a single woman. Um, and, and I'm sure some men feel this way too, where there's an infantilization of single people that because we haven't hit this next milestone of adulthood, Mm. um, we are not mature enough or something like that. Um, but I really think any old fool could get married. Really? (laughs) I do. I like, actually do think some people wake up and get married, like, (laughs) you know, and, um, like even when I'm getting down about like my looks, because I feel like that's, I'm like, Mm. guys must not be attracted to me, but I'm like a bunch of ugly people are married. So that's fine too. You know, like I, I don't know what I'm so worried about. Um, and I'm sure they're lovely (laughs) on the inside. Anyway, I, girl, we've all thought it. Don't worry. It's interesting. I know. No, I know. This is like, you know, I, have very few filters. But anyway, yeah, I think like, um, being taken seriously as like an, a real adult, like as a single person is definitely an issue. But then in some cases, companies, businesses, organizations really love single people because of, again, their availability, flexibility. Um, but I would argue, and this is the spiritual formation side of me is that we're all human. We all have a certain capacity. And like, so even if I am single, um, and I have technically in a way a more availability, I have, I still need to figure out what my capacity is and learn how to say yes or no to things. Mm-hmm. So there's just like a, I think a juggling act and all those tensions to consider kind of what you're bringing up, Peter is like how single people are treated, but then also how we need to treat ourselves in the midst of it, you know? Um, and with my generation, and I definitely think Gen Z, who I've worked with for these last several years, imposter syndrome is strong, mm. you know? And so, yeah, it's sad, but we really do also think about marriage that, oh, having a spouse will give me some kind of credibility, not just value. And that's, yeah, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a shame. I think. I think for me personally, it also was the, um, it's the value and the worth question. Like, cause I got those comments too. It's like, I can't believe you're still single. And I'm like, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm also, it does not feel good that you're saying that because I'm also wondering the same thing. Like, why am I yeah. still single? So, um, I think going back to the original question of this podcast is why am I still single? Like, what would you actually say to people who are like, really deep down in their soul, like asking this question, like, why am I still single? And I think a lot of people, especially Christians are asking God, why, like, why is this still the case in my life? So what would you say to them, Bridget? 
Now, this is a really great question for me to answer and re-answer and re-answer in my life because, you know, depending on the week, I may be frustrated. Um, Mm -hmm. But my answer is because of God's mercy. And that might, that I know is also a frustrating thing, but it's mm-hmm. also merciful to let people know that like you're single because it is the best thing for you right now. Mm-hmm. And if someone has a hard time with that, they need to reimagine what they think God's best is for them. Mm-hmm. And they need to reimagine singleness as, you know, a context in which you could thrive. You know, I use the metaphor of pilgrimage in my book to talk about my singleness. So rather than a season or even rather than just a little gift, because I think the gift is like the treasure of the kingdom of God, you know, but like I'm on this journey, don't really know how long it's going to go. But I, what I need to believe is that I have access to all the same things everyone else does, maybe save for sex which is like my personal sexual ethic, you know? And so uh, otherwise I can access everything else good about life, you know, relational intimacy with friends. Um, Oh, joy. So such joy from God and others. Mm -hmm. Laughter is like one of my favorite, you know, experiences. And I can be laughing every day. You know, (laughs) I have people in my life who can bring that to me too. So, yeah, I think it's like, not a one-off answer just to say it's God's mercy. He wants you single and you walk away, but you say, can I come alongside you and help you reimagine what your single life and drop the single, what your life can look like. Let's redream um, and make it beautiful. Let's Mm -hmm. repaint this because people like if they think there's no spouse in my future, it's just a big pit of darkness and like, you know, it's like so hard. They go, their mind goes blank. And I'm like, well, maybe, uh, unfortunately, you've been given very little to work with in regards to how you think of your future. Mm. Wow. Love that. So we've, we've focused a lot on kind of the angst and the feeling of singleness. I, one of the things, the values that you bring, you know, between your book and your podcast is, there's some innovations and singleness in the Christian community. And even you just have a vision for singleness, um, you know, for people to experience that differently. Why don't you paint that picture for our listeners and just some of the people that you're seeing engage singleness, maybe in old traditional ways, but in different ways that are um, maybe profound for our listeners to think about. Yeah. Well, I will say that I think part of the reason why we've had a hard time in the American evangelical context with uh, imagining for singleness is because we've um, departed from ancient Christianity and its monasticism, you know. And so all of these monks, all of these saints that we know of, they were single and (laughs) they lived these lives. Some of them hermits gone off and spent a whole life just in God's presence or trying to be in God's presence and in nature. Like, like that's all they did. They, they were not capitalistic in the least did not think about how to produce things with their time. They just wanted to be with God. And um, I grew up charismatic and then like contemporary Lutheran, then charismatic again. And then I'm like in these, what I call hipster church plants mm-hmm. that are kind of Calvinist complementarian. That's, that's what like a lot of what my adult, 
Christian life has been like. Um, and again, no beautiful imagination or vision for singleness because we're not actually talking about the, the saints, you know, these people that have gone before us and planted church communities and gone off to start, um, Christian communities all over the world. And so what does that look like in modern days? Um, my, so I mentioned my friend Peter Valk in my book. Um, he is the like co-founder, kind of the founder of the Nashville family of brothers. Um, he also is the co-founder of uh, equip.org, which is a equips churches to, um, for resources for gay Christians in their church and, um, LGBTQ, like even youth to figure discern vocational singleness. And so, um, no matter where you like land on those theological beliefs, I, I think that the way he lives out his celibacy is beautiful because the Nashville family of brothers, they all commit, they'll commit to like a year or three years or five years to live together in community um, like a family. And so they have like a communal purse, you know, and um, I think a lot of them don't even work full time because their bills are paid for and taken care of. And they're able to use their time for others and the community in a way where like, you know, it's not just this one single person using their time. It's a group of single guys, you know, and Peter has vision for like these, these family brothers and families of sisters happening all over the States. Um, he, I think he talks about it um, in references like city monastics that people who aren't outside, you know, like aren't like her hermitage monastics, but within community. Um, so he's awesome. And then another friend I love, her name's Mary B. Seyfrit, and she has a podcast called Unsuitable. And honestly, she just like is talking to all the coolest people about this stuff. Um, and she'll do this. One of the things I love that she does is she does this like, um, it's like a arts night, you know, a bunch of people with a lot of different talents come out and perform and they're all single people of all different backgrounds and yeah, it's just kind of for the fun of it, you know, the delight of it. And that's in New York city. And, um, and just because I've become more aware of all these other single people out there, I'm starting to see, look, this is how beautiful single life can be. Even if it's not for me, you know, like even if I get to imagine something different, it helps me imagine new things, you know? So um, I'll give my example of the, I don't write about this in my book, but I'll just give my example for what I'm dreaming for my future. And I've no idea how a spouse will fit into it. Although, you know, we leave a little room to dream for that too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a few years ago I had gone on the Camino de Santiago, which is a ancient pilgrimage, um, in Spain, Northern Spain. And, one of my buddies, he's a pastor, was like, do you want to move here and run, run one of these pilgrim hostels? And I was like, stop it. <laughs> because what a cool invitation. Um, people from all over the world walk in the Camino, and they're mostly spiritual seekers. They're really open, you know, to the gospel. And, um, and you're talking about it because it's a Catholic pilgrimage. You know, you're talking about Jesus. But... Um, Anyway, so he was like, well, the whole world's at your doorstep when you have one of these pilgrim hostels. And um, I was like, wow, you sold me. <laughs> like, I'm like, that sounds great. Anyway, 
long story short is that like now I have this job where I'm on the Camino all the time and I get to bring students with me and other people who are connected to my organization. Um, and the future goal is that I will open with a group of people a Pilgrim Hostel and we'll get to eat daily with people from all over the world and sit in those deep spiritual conversations and be in community, even if it's for like a night, right, with like certain people. Um, and just hold that, I hold that dream open to God. There's lots of prayer around it. There's like a team of people, including like married couples who want to be in on it. Um, and yeah, so I, I think like for me, gosh, if you, four years ago, you asked me what's my five-year plan. It had nothing to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not saying that marriage wouldn't fit into that plan, but I'm so glad I have that like dream. It's so much cooler. It's so much more Bridget than like anything I could have made up. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's been in the context of all this other journey of me of writing my book and getting it published and actually starting to dream. And so I don't know. Sometimes I think saying yes to things you've never done before helps you reimagine. Um, and then also I would say narrative, like journaling is good too, to like write out like what happened in your life and where was God in those places and to start to see where are places you come alive. Um, yeah. And how do you go get more of that? I think that's, <laughs> that, that's just some of the stuff I did. I That's not comprehensive by any means. And I'm not really like, self-healthy, but that's just what I've experienced. Oh yeah. That's great. Man, what a great way to kind of close our podcast. And I hope, you know, I hope that our listeners, you know, so I'll talk specifically to our married listeners. I, I hope that that inspires us to help inspire single people to, to dream big, um, dream God-sized dreams. And I hope that if you're single, Mm -hmm. that, um, you can reimagine your life in such a powerful way. I really appreciate you being open and honest. So here, here's the good news. You work with a lot of college students and young adults, so this should come easy. We always ask the question, what does Jesus have to say about the topic? So Amanda and I are going to answer, and whatever mess we leave, can you clean it up? Does that sound good? Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go. Okay. Um. I was really trying to think of a Bible verse here, but I just kept coming back to the time when I was single and how I would just really struggle in it or find immense joy in it. And I feel that just spending time with God is truly just so fulfilling. Living for him is your cup overflows. And like you said earlier, the community that you get in as especially being a christian you get a whole family brothers and sisters in christ um that just comforts you and fulfills this void that you're like i i just want to be in relationship with people and that's and that's what happens so i if there's anything that i feel like jesus says is he's he says i i love you and i'm for you and i'm i will provide for you and that may look different than what we think but he knows the desires of our hearts and he knows what we need and he will fulfill them and in his perfect and loving way he will man that's really good um i'm actually gonna go a little boring here um one of my favorite parts of this podcast episode was uh listening to bridget talk about um 
first Corinthians seven. Mm -hmm. And my friend, um, my friend, pastor Howard says this, he says, the problem with Christians is they don't look up words that they don't know. And they also don't look up words that they do know. And, you know, if you're single or if you're married out there, you know, and you look at this passage, what Bridget did with that passage Mm -hmm. is part of actually what gives us life, um, to really understand, you know, to, be able to unpack what would what was the original hearers listening to and i just think of this whole topic you could take any topic um but even this singleness in order for us to understand what the bible has to say about singleness we have to put ourselves in the original hearers and that's in some ways that's helpful and comparable but in other ways uh we're very different and so I just hope that, you know, whether you're married or single, you keep engaging the Bible, you keep Mm -hmm. engaging whatever place you are in life, whether you're single or married, Mm -hmm. in a way that you're seeing Jesus at the center of it. And if I'm leaving with any like huge theme, I think this is a theme that Bridget presented very clearly to all of us, is that Jesus uh, at the center of our life is the most meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And it just challenges us how we engage each other and love each other. So that's kind of what I'm leaving with. I love that. Yeah, I feel like even just to take both of what you said and um, put it together, even more than just what Jesus says, you can go through the whole of the four gospels and watch what he does. Mm. And uh, most of the healings are of single people and a lot of his disciples and followers single people Mm. and they have found the one they've been waiting for you know they found their king their messiah and the way he touches them and humanizes them and restores their identity like to the community and (laughs) to one another um, restores them to even their faith like some of them were not able to worship because of their uncleanliness according to the law he restores them to fullness in their community. And so you just see that Jesus really cares for and sees single people. Like the the widow who leaves her last two pennies in the treasury. He makes a note of this moment and he tells the disciples, look at her. She's put in more than everybody else because mm-hmm. she gave everything that she had. And like he knows and I like to use a little bit extra imagination that after that moment they they ran after her and had her come and join them and they made sure she was taken care of you know um so yeah I write a little bit of a imaginative storytelling of that passage in particular in my book and um yeah so if you want an encounter with Jesus as a single person you can start there in the scriptures and see, but also just ask, like, Jesus, can I have those encounters with you too? Mm-hmm. Because that's true. That's all we need is to be able to encounter Jesus, and that will fill us up overflowing. Bridget, I, I think we're going to have to have you back on again, and um, we might have to do a live <laughs> podcast from the El Camino. Does that sound good, you know? We'll, we'll all fly oh, out sure, there. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got to tell us when you open That'd be it. Fun. <laughs> so where can, where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, I honestly, it's my Instagram. It's at the Bridget B and, um, 
you know, if you look me up by single just because you can see how to spell it, but um, I'm really easily found on the internet. I've not tried to hide myself in any way. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, um, just to let you know, uh, we work with the great Krista Clayton from IVP Press. You can go two weeks, up to two weeks after this podcast. Uh, if you buy the book single just because and use the code YGOD, you can get a 30% discount. We highly recommend um, you buying this book. If you're looking for us, you can go to whygodwhypodcast.com, click the subscribe button, and we'd love for you to get this episode and many of our other ones. Thank you so very much for joining us. Mm-hmm.